This is because I want to. Hello, and welcome back to Because I Want To, where we talk about whatever it is we want to. I'm Sarah. I'm Lindsay. And it's almost June! Yeah, I don't know, like, what happened to the month of May, but it's, like, summer all of a sudden. The month of May can fuck off. It's, like, the worst month ever. (laughs) I will happily invite June into my life. (laughs) Yeah, let's move on. We're over May. Get out of here, May. What do you have? Rain? That's it. That's it. Do you see Ivor trying to break into this room right now? I do. I just see the door behind you just moving. He's like a nut job. (laughs) He just wants to be where the people are. Oh, I get that, though. I also want to be where the people are. Oh, my God. I I just saw Brock carry him away. (laughs) I barricaded the door with a chair because I knew they, like, can come into this room, but the doors won't open, like, they open into the room, so they won't be able to push their way out, if that makes sense. It does. I follow. I follow. I follow. So it's just an unending so, cycle of, like, pushing their way in and wanting to leave and not being able to leave. You need a baby gate. Yeah. My house is all sorts of baby gated. <laughs> well, let's new with you. Uh, not much. I slept for 13 hours last night. Oh, my God. I woke up. Do you know when you like slept too long and you wake up and you're just like, what year is it? Like that's Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like 8 a.m. when I rolled over and it was noon. Why were you so tired, do you think? I think my body has finally been like, okay, so it's like the end is in sight. I have like two weeks of school left. Uh-huh. I can finally breathe. It's a three-day weekend. I took a day off this coming week, so I only have to work two days this coming week. Oh, good. My brain, I think, was finally just like, and relax. And yeah. so it did. And I just slept. <laughs> yeah, I guess like you really needed it. And if you are like feeling some type of way that really wears on you physically, it makes you physically mm-hmm. tired. I thought it was interesting. My dogs did not even attempt to wake me up. <laughs> they were also like dead asleep when I got up. And I was like, you haven't peed in like 14 (laughs) hours like what the hell it amazes me how long my dogs will sleep for like we get up Mm -hmm. early in the morning and then we'll just go back in bed for hours and then we'll take an afternoon nap and they just sleep and sleep and sleep yeah man like they're passed out right now so cute but yeah that i don't know work was okay this week like Again, I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Yeah, I had a very chaotic phone call with Audrey and Charlie before this, which is partially why I had to, like, push the date back. Because, you know, I never want to, like, hang up with them when they call me. They, their new thing, like, when we FaceTime is they just want to, like, show me things. Like, just random things. Uh So the things they showed me today were the poop in the toilet. (laughs) The... The pee in, like, the little, like, potty training urinal. I was shown that several times. Uh-huh. Um, and they also like to put the phone in a roller skate and, like, push me around. <laughs> That's really cute. <laughs> so, <laughs> really? they're like, you're going, you're going on a trip. 
when you think about it, you're really like you on the phone. You're just a toy and you're just at their whim. Yeah. They're just playing with you. Yeah, literally. They're like, look at this. Look at this. And I'm like, ooh, a broken hula hoop. Brings me <laughs> wow. Back. Like, I remember I would like have these phone calls with my grandparents when I was little. And one time I was like, grandma, I learned this song at school. Let me sing it for you. And it's one of those songs that goes on for like 20 minutes. And she kept saying like, okay, that's nice. And I was like, no, but it's not over yet. (laughs) Keep listening. That's what little kids do. You're just like at their mercy and you have to pretend like everything they do is so interesting. (laughs) True facts. True facts. I think that's what love is at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I haven't really been up to that much. I literally come home, I sit and I read until it's time to go to bed. And then I shower and I read more. Mm-hmm. And then I go to bed. Like that's that's been my days. I don't watch TV anymore. I don't watch movies anymore. Although, finally finished my rewatch of all the Matrix movies. Ooh, I wouldn't mind rewatching. I don't know about all of them, but at least the first one. I think you should rewatch all of them so that we can talk about it. Because I want to talk about neo and like what he is at the end of the day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because i have thoughts about this and feelings about this and i want to know if your thoughts are the same we could do a matrix episode yeah ma'am i have feelings about what i think he is and what i think the end of it was okay i feel like i need to be in an altered state for this when i watch it so i can really (laughs) really be receptive to all the messages like i don't think at the end of it all that he's dead isn't it weird how remember when the matrix came out it was this like cultural phenomenon like Mm -hmm. it was like titanic or even avatar where it's like no one had seen something like that before and then I it's think it just really lost time. It like capitalized on that feeling that we all have that this is like a simulation, you know, mm-hmm. that this is like fake. And I think we've all had that feeling at one point or another. Yeah. Like where the world just feels fake. And so I think it capitalized on that. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of like any movie more than The Matrix that when it came out, people were like, holy fucking shit. Star Wars. Yeah. 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 Star Wars. But outside of that, we haven't had very many, like, defining generation, like, movies. I don't feel like. Yeah. Like, even though I said Avatar, that wasn't the same. Like, that was a popular movie, but it wasn't, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Avatar, I think, was more of a big deal for the technology that went into make that movie and the fact that it was, like, the first movie really intended to be in 3d and like capitalize on like watching it in 3d mm-hmm. i don't think it was really necessarily the story whereas i think the matrix yes it was the special effects and everything but i think the story really spoke yeah people. i think like every once in a while there's something that comes along that's so different where you're like there's nothing like this mm-hmm. it's like it creates a genre or something that's like what the matrix was yeah, The Matrix was very much different science fiction. I, like, kind of put it in the same vein as, like, the Hunger Games for books, you know? Like, we'd had mm-hmm. dystopian before, but the Hunger mm-hmm. Games really kicked off that dystopian genre in the modern day. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A genre kind of defining new movement of stuff that's made. Like the first where you're like, Mm -hmm. wow, that's cool. Yep. Kind of like Star Trek, you know, for science fiction. Mm -hmm. Well, this week I finished the Harry Potter series. Hey, how do you feel? Well, I say that, but I haven't listened to the epilogue yet because I kind of don't want it to be over. But it was just so good. And it's kind of like when you get to the end of anything, it's like sad, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You get that like weird withdrawal. Uh Uh-huh. Where this is why people read fan fiction, friend. It's because they have that withdrawal and they just want to marinate in the world a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like you have to say goodbye to these characters. Mm-hmm. And you're just not ready. Especially with something like Harry Potter, who for us, we like kind of grew up with. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send you a really good Harry Potter fan fiction. You should read it. What's the like gist of it? I got I to gotta decide which okay. one I want to send you. I'll take a look. And I won't like go too much into my thoughts because I do want to do a whole Harry Potter episode. But I was just kind of amazed with like the books, how different I felt about Dumbledore in the book versus just watching the movies. Mm-hmm. You going to join me in my hate of Dumbledore because I have a lot of feelings about him. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. he was a lot more calculated and cold in the books than he came across in the movie. Yes. I, so obviously my opinion, and we can, obviously we'll do a whole episode about Harry (laughs) Potter, but my opinion of Dumbledore by this point has been influenced of 20 years of fan fiction trope. And most trope around Dumbledore and fan fiction is they fucking hate him because he's like manipulative. Mm -hmm. He takes advantage you know, all of the above. So yeah, I think there's something to that because I've not read any fan fiction. I'm just coming off of the book. And I was shocked at how I feel like, yeah, manipulative and he exploits Harry's need for connection and parental figures. Mm -hmm. And you wonder, like, you know, where what where's motives lie? Like, do the ends justify the means kind of thing? I think it's supposed to play into that feeling of just because you're trying to accomplish something good doesn't always mean you can go about it in a good way Mm -hmm. and it doesn't always mean that the people involved are good people Mm -hmm. and that i don't know that if you want to accomplish a good thing that everybody involved can be a good person Mm -hmm. yeah that's true like that's the thing is like no one's really all good or all bad and for the first several books you think Dumbledore comes across as this like at least to me this like godlike omniscient mm-hmm. bene- grandfather figure yeah, yeah beneficial like all good all-knowing person because mm-hmm. that's how you see him through Harry you know yeah I think like the genuine only good people like just straight out good people in those books are the Weasleys. Yeah. And the parents. Maybe the twins. Yeah. Agreed. It's a, yeah. Everybody else is like very severely flawed. Yeah. Because the Weasleys, I feel like, really care about Harry as a person. Whereas mm-hmm. Dumbledore cares about using Harry and what Harry can do. And if Harry were any other person, he wouldn't be interested in him. That's how I feel. Right. (laughs) 
Right. And Luna. I think Luna is a good person. I love Luna. I love Luna and Neville. Neville's pretty pure. He is. He's a pure soul. All right. Put Harry Potter episode on the list. We got to do it. All right. Well, today we're talking about heroes of history. We are. I'm excited. Where is your hero from? What country are we looking at? My hero is from the United States. Okay. I don't know why I had this fear that we did the same person. I was I thinking that too. <laughs> mine is not from the United States. so Okay. That's good. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I think you went first last time. So okay. I will go first. So in my own fashion, my hero is, of course, from antiquity. Because why would I choose somebody from any other time period uh-huh. than antiquity? And my person is Spartacus. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> Who doesn't love to learn about Spartacus? All right. So I got my information from Wikipedia and a TED-Ed called Slave to Rebel Gladiator. Um, so the first thing to note when discussing Spartacus is there is a lot of, it's hard to say 100% what happened because a lot of the historical accounts differ from each other. Um, so I will point out when I think something is a contested point, but for the most part, this is what happened. Okay. Oh, that's a really nerdy statement I just said there, but Disclaimer. Anyway. <laughs> that was a history teacher disclaimer. Uh-huh. All right, so Spartacus is from Thrace. Um, Thrace would be modern-day areas found in Bulgaria, northern Greece, Turkey, and Romania. It's basically the land in that area that is bounded by mountains. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you know where the historic kingdom of Macedonia is, which is where Alexander the Great is from, this is east of that. Um, And he is probably from one of the nomadic tribes in that area, the Medi. Um, there's a couple historians who say he is from a nomadic tribe, but not all of them say that, so take it with a grain of salt. But he's probably definitely Thracian. Um, so at some point, he was in the Roman army. Um, there is zero agreement as to how he left the service of the Roman army. Some people say he deserted, and he started like attacking and stealing things. Um, some of them don't really say it all. But mm-hmm. all of these stories end with him being enslaved and sold. What time period so, are we? We are in the 70s BCE. Okay. So he is sold to a Ludus. A Ludus is a gladiator school okay. near Capua, owned by Lentulius Batiatus, um, which means that he was owned by Batiatus. Uh, keeping in mind that, yes, most gladiators were slaves. Not all of them were. Um, some of them were prisoners, like, this was how they were being put to death, essentially. Um, some of them are, like, volunteers looking for fame because, yes, gladiators were enslaved, but they would get pretty fucking famous if they were successful. Um, but, yeah, gladiator and gladiatorial games are kind of, you know, how the Romans pass their time. That's what they like to watch. That happened on um, Game of Thrones. I forget with which character, but they were like, Danny was like, we need to get rid of these like games. And then they're like, no, this is like their one way out of like poverty or whatever is to become mm-hmm. like a star. Yeah. So there were gladiatorial games in Rome for like a thousand years. Like it was ingrained. And there are, yeah. Yeah. 
And there are different kinds of games. So, you know, you have people fighting each other, you have people fighting animals, you'll have like one against a group of people, all sorts of things. Um, Spartacus was what's known as a Mermillo or Mermio. He was a heavyweight gladiator, so he would fight with like a big ass sword and shield, <laughs> essentially. So in 73 BCE, around 70 slaves and Spartacus Spartacus plotted their escape from the Ludus. So they seized whatever they could get a hold of, so like kitchen utensils and shit, <laughs> and fought their way out of the school. They defeated the soldiers who were sent after them. They plundered the city slash town of Capua, recruited a bunch of other slaves as they moved, um, making it not just a revolt of enslaved gladiators, but a slave revolt overall. Um, and they headed to Mount Vesuvius and kind of chilled there for a while. <laughs> they elected Spartacus and then two other people named Crixus and Onimaeus as their leaders. It's hard to say for sure, like, how the leadership worked because Roman historians probably pushed their own understanding of, like, military leadership and Roman leadership on the group. So it may not have worked in the same way that they talked about it, but those in general mm -hmm. were the leaders. There were, like, three leaders. Um, so Spartacus being Thracian, Crixus, and Animaeus were from, oh god, they were Gallic, they were Gallic. So they're chilling at Mount Vesuvius, doing they thing, <laughs> and the Romans responded to them kind of slowly, um, keeping in mind that Rome at the time was dealing with their third Mithratic War with the Pontic Kingdom, and the Pontic Kingdom was like their biggest rivals at the time so that was like probably where they were putting most of their focus um and they were also dealing with a revolt in spain so they probably didn't really see this as like a significant threat at the time yeah more like you know an internal matter to be dealt with not you know full-blown war uh -huh. or not at that point um also we are definitely still at the point where rome is a republic they are not yet an empire so they don't have an emperor yet they have a republic still oh okay we're not at that stage. Oh, my gosh. Like, Roman history is so complicated. <laughs> it is. So we're we're at the tail end of the Republic right now. Okay. Like, Caesar will seize power soon, and we will move into our empire phase. But they're already in Spain. Yes. So they are technically an empire at this point. They just don't mm -hmm. have emperors yet. Okay. They have, like, the triumvirate, so, like, Pompey and... Uh, Caesar and the other guy, uh, Mark Antony. <laughs> that, other, <laughs> that other nobody, Mark Antony. <laughs> that, that one, that one. So they're dealing with that stuff. So they're pretty slow to respond. They send a praetor, which is like a commander, named Gaius Caldius Glaber and like roughly 3,000 men to go deal with them at Vesuvius. So Glaber takes the point of view that he's basically just going to, like, starve them out. Like, he's uh -huh. like, well, chill here. They're stuck up there. We'll just starve them out. Like, old-fashioned siege style. <laughs> um, so what Spartacus and all of the men do is they make a bunch of ropes out of, like, vines and, like, scale the fucking mountain and come from behind and, like, fucking decimate them. Oh, my God. Wait, how do I know Mount Vesuvius? Why is Pompe that Pompe Pompeii? Is that the one that and... exploded? It is. When did that explode? Do you know? Uh, like before I this? After this. I after? think after this. Okay. I, I think. Don't okay. quote me on that. But I think. 
Um, so they destroy this force and they get another force gets sent after them and they defeat them and like steal all their shit. Um, and by that point it's getting pretty well known. So when they go through <laughs> towns and stuff, slaves will like peace out and join them. Yes. Um, and other marginalized people as well. So like poor peasants, farmers, shepherds, like they're peacing out and joining them. So at this point, their numbers hit about like 70,000 people. That's a lot of um, people. Yes. The Ted Ed video said their numbers at one point swelled to like 120,000. But obviously oh, those numbers shit. are de- debated. Like you can't prove it one way or the other. Um, so we have people coming from all over the place. Some people are like legion veterans who are joining them because at this time in Rome slash Italy, there's a lot of like social class warfare going on. Like people just, Rome was kind of shitty in what they did with citizenship and who they gave it to and how they treated you with citizenship. So there was a lot of fighting over that shit. Um, <laughs> shocking, I know. Um, so basically, um, a lot of the slaves that are joining them are coming from the countryside, not from the cities. There's a lot of stigma with city slaves that, you know, they're privileged and lazy and all uh-huh. that shit. So. Um, This is mostly people coming from the countryside to join them. So they hunker down in the winter and basically train themselves up as much as they can because a lot of people are inexperienced. Um, They raid nearby towns to supply themselves. They probably divided themselves up under the different leaders so that they could do different raids and, you know, be a little bit more navigable. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the spring of 72 BCE, they start to move north. And so the Senate dispatched some consular regions under two dudes named Lucius Gellius and Gnaeus Cornelius Lentulus Claudianus. These names are Ugh. so, like, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those two groups attack the rebellion group led by Crixus, which was about like 30,000 people. Um, and they are defeated. Uh, so Crixus dies. Um, but Spartacus rolls in and there's a lot of dispute about what exactly happened here, but he defeats them. Um, and it is said that in honor of Crixus, they held games and they made all of the Romans fight Mm. in the games. So, you know, uh, so by this point, Rome is like, what the fuck? <laughs> What's going on? Why is this such and an so, issue? <laughs> yeah, like, literally, let's deal with this. So they send a man named Marcus Licinius Crassus, who is the only person to volunteer to deal with this. And he's also the richest man in Rome. Ooh. So they send him to deal with the rebellion. So he gets eight legions of men, which is like 40,000 people. Um, and wow. he honestly treats them kind of like he's like an asshole he's an asshole um so it's unclear why he does this but spartacus and his followers retreat to southern italy for some reason and then move north again in 71 bce so crassus sends six legions to the border of the region that they are in and he maneuvers some of his men like behind them uh and starts forcing himself again basically Um, until they are camped near the Strait of Messina in Regium, which is the tip of the boot of Italy. Mm -hmm. The very tippy tip right by Sicily. (laughs) So apparently, and again, debated, 
Spartacus tries to make a deal with a bunch of Sicilian pirates to take he and his men to Sicily. I love me some pirates. Unexpected Who pirates doesn't? in my stories. Who, who doesn't love a little bit of piracy? A little bit of wild card. <laughs> so he's like, can you take me and my men to Sicily to gather reinforcements and kind of, you know, get ready to fight back? Um, but he is betrayed and the pirates basically like take his money and peace out. God, they're so Um, swarthy. I know. Like, why would you trust pirates? Come on, Spartacus. (laughs) Come on. Um, so they have to retreat again and Crassus follows them and basically sieges them. Nobody wants to be sieged. It's no good. (laughs) Um, and cuts them off from their supplies. By this point, Pompey one of the triumvirate, he rolls back in from dealing with the war that he's been dealing with. (laughs) So he rolls back in with his legions. And Crassus is really concerned that Pompey's going to, like, roll in and take the credit Uh for defeating Spartacus. So Spartacus, smart guy, tries to make a deal with Crassus to, like, get him out of it and, like, Uh basically steal the credit from Pompey. Um, But that doesn't work out. So Spartacus and his army break through the fortifications and head back up the peninsula. Uh, Crassus oh. basically chases them down, and the rebellion officially ends in 71 BCE when they are defeated by Crassus. Uh, most historians agree that Spartacus died at that battle. One of them says his body was never found. It most likely was he was killed. Um, and 6,000 of the survivors were all crucified <gasps> on the Appian Way oh from my Rome God. to Capua. <laughs> so literally, yo, Romans don't fuck around. So the Appian Way was the main road. And so from if you were going from Rome to Capua, the entire sides of the road were just lined with oh crucified. Yeah. Again, like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones got a lot of their content, I think, from Roman history. Oh, for sure. For sure. So there's no real agreement as to why Spartacus did what he did, because if it was just, you know, a revolt to end slavery, it really wasn't what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there also is a lot of arguments as to why they didn't, like, run away, which they could have done. Like, if they were trying to get to freedom, they easily could have done that. So there's some debate that, like, Spartacus wanted to, like, leave when they were up by the Appalachian Mountains. Not Appalachian. Mm-hmm. What are those mountains? It's not Appalachian. <laughs> the Alps. The Alps. <laughs> um, it's, like, this wrong country. Uh, so he wanted to cross the Alps and, like, leave. But others in his groups were like, no. I kind of took it as anger does weird things to people. Uh-huh. when, you know, some of them probably legitimately wanted to attack Rome just in general from yeah. their anger. Um, hard to say when you get that many people together. Obviously, everyone's not going to want the same thing. Um, and at the end of the day, Spartacus, you know, was in charge of all of them. So he probably just had to go with what the bulk of people wanted to do. Um, but yes, that is Spartacus of Thrace. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my question is, like, what was his end goal? Like, what was their plan? But I guess these historians weren't necessarily, like, in his, like, inner circle. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of have to look at what happened and draw your own conclusions, I guess. I mean, that's the issue when you really look at these Roman historians. So, like, the bulk of this stuff comes from 
Plutarch, Appius, or Appian, I forget his name, and Florus. Um, and a lot of time with Roman historians, they're not writing in the time period. They're writing mm-hmm. after the fact. Um, so it's not always, you know, based in any sort of factual or written down information. Uh, so you have to kind of take it all with a grain of salt. You also have to realize that Roman historians are going to definitely write from the Roman mm. point of view. So yeah, it's that's colored in that way as well. Well, and I also was thinking this is in like the 70s BCE. I mean, Jesus was like the year like zero. And there's a lot of, you know, contention about what actually happened. So it's just so Mm -hmm. long ago that you don't really know. I mean, that's the thing when you talk about history. There's so much like bias that colors the way people talk intentional or not. Yeah. That it sometimes you can't divide the fact from, you know, the opinionated crap. I mean, I feel like what makes sense to me is that they would either be, like you said, trying to escape and just go somewhere else or trying to establish power, which seems like it would be a fruitless endeavor. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if you look at the path that they took, it's not it doesn't seem like they ever intended it to be as massive as it was. Yeah. You know, like, it was a, like, let's break out. Mm-hmm. And then it probably just snowballed from there. And they didn't really necessarily have a goal. Like, it's just one of those things that just kind of takes off. And mm-hmm. you find yourself the leader of this movement. And you're like, what? I'm just a slave like everyone else. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's interesting. The show Spartacus that was on Stars was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, which deals like most of the stuff I read about was in that show, like as far as like historical mm. events and people involved, which is cool. So it was like fairly accurate as far as what as we know. far as like, yeah, like events. <laughs> the so, rest of it, probably not so much. When they were defeated, were they just you said they're all like crucified. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So in the show, some of them get away, but I don't think that probably happened i was thinking maybe they were all just assimilated back into society oh no the romans weren't about that i mean it is a cool story though just like a slave rising up and just people following him you know this Mm -hmm. movie the movie's really good i think he's very much a hero from the modern perspective more so than he was in his time yeah Oh, my God. Can you imagine if that happened now? People would be like, who the fuck is that guy? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, nowadays, you know, I mean, we have similar stuff going on. You know how people talk about it. Uh Uh-huh. Well, that was interesting. It makes me want to watch the movie. I am Spartacus. It's so inspiring. (laughs) He's an inspiring guy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, are you ready to switch gears a little bit? Hit me with it. All right. This story, I had to read the Wikipedia page like three times. I think we were both struggling. (laughs) I know. Like normally, like an hour before we start, I like get my cocktail going and I start reading about our topic. But for this, I was like, oh, shit, I need to like take copious notes. (laughs) I feel you. I have a whole outline in front of me. Oh, my gosh. Okay. 
So I'm talking about someone who I never heard of before yesterday. His name is Chief Standing Bear. All right. I love me. A significant Native American hero in American history. Because they're always badass as fuck. Yes. Okay. I'm kind of like... Don't hate me, y'all. If I get shit wrong, I'm not a historian. I just thought he was cool and read about him, and I want to talk about him, and that's it. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. So Chief Standing Bear is important because he is the first Native American who is judicially granted civil rights under American law. Ooh, cool. Yes. People at home, if you didn't know... Native Americans got civil rights and citizenship and the right Mm -hmm. to vote in, like, the 1950s, 60s. It was really bad. It's really bad. Yeah. He successfully argued in a U.S. district court that Native Americans are people legally. Like, that was the ruling, that Native Americans are people and have rights. (laughs) What year was this? 1879. Okay. Okay. Okay, so for a little so bit this of is background, just, this is like right after the Thirteenth Amendment. Yes. So the third. <laughs> <laughs> so the Thirteenth Amendment ended slavery, uh-huh. and that was in 1865. And yes. then the Fourteenth and Fifth, Fourteenth made them citizens. Fifteenth enforced voting rights for formerly enslaved people. So this is like the tail end of that. Yeah, we're about to have some, like, legal terminology in here. <laughs> I was felt like a little Heavy lawyer. Heavy love it. <laughs> okay, so I got my information from a YouTube channel called United States Courts, and then TEDx Talks, and then his Wikipedia page. So, for a little bit of background, Chief Standing Bear, he was the chief of this little tribe called... Ponca tribe that was in Nebraska and where they like traditionally lived I guess they would like farm the land in the summer and then in the winter they would like hunt the bison but there were these like rival tribes in the area who would like attack them and stuff when they would um, hunt for their bison so there's like local rivalry and um in the 1850s all these like white settlers came out and started like building towns and encroaching on their farmland homestead act bitches yeah so they're like taking up their farmland and then as they were like hunting they were getting like raided more and more so it was like really hard for them in 1858 I guess under a lot of pressure from the U.S. government, they ceded a lot of their land to the government and they moved to some new land. But the new land that the government like gave them, the U.S. government, the farming was really bad. They couldn't like grow any crops. So their people were starving. There was famine. They're still being raided by these other tribes and the government had promised them, like, schools and provisions and support and didn't give them, like, any of that. I'm shocked. Yeah. So just, like, imagine you have to move and there's literally nothing. You can't even, like, grow food. I think they had yeah, some, man. like, army tents and, like, that was it. Indian removal. She yeah. She was a bitch. A bitch. 
So uh, that was in 1858. And then in 1865, there was a new treaty where the government was like, okay, Ponca tribe, you can like go back from where you came from. So they're like, cool. So they went back. Three years later, there's a new treaty, Treaty of Fort Laramie, where the government was like, sorry, Ponca tribe, but we're like giving your land to this other tribe called the Santee Dakota because we have this war with this chief called Red Cloud and we want to end it. So we're going to like give him your land. Yep. Which... I started reading about like notable Native Americans and all these names came up. I didn't realize that they all like were at the same time and knew each other, like Red Cloud, Sitting Bull, like all these people. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, hey, Mm -hmm. Red Cloud. So, yeah. Because that was like the last big push for Indian removal was like at that time. Yeah. So they're like, all right, sorry, Ponca tribe, you have to leave. In 1877 was like the removal. And I guess that um, Standing Bear, along with some other, like, leaders from his tribe, they went to go, like, check out some of the reservation land that the government wanted to move them to. And this is kind of funny because I live in Oklahoma now, but it was all in Oklahoma. And they're like, they're like, we didn't agree to go to Oklahoma. Like, you told us we're going to stay in Nebraska. And the government's like, psych, never mind. Mm -hmm. And so... There are like three different places that they're supposed to go look at. And they looked at the first two and they were like, fuck that. We don't want to live here. We're mm-hmm. not even going to look at the third one. But like the government official that was showing them was like, you have to look at it. And they're like, no, we're not interested. And he was like, you have to. And they like left on foot. Like he wouldn't even take them home. And he was like, fuck you. You're going to that third place then that they had like never been to. Just (laughs) America. Come on. So this is like kind of a sad story, but then it also like has some bright parts in it. So the government was like, all right, you're going to that third place because like, fuck you, I guess. And Standing Bear was like, no, we're not going there. And they arrested him and put him in these like stockades. And he was like, I'm going to just like resist this. And this was in January of 1877. And so the government government was like, okay, we're going to just like starve out your tribe. Like, they're just not going to make it. And so by May, he had to give in and be like, okay, I guess we have to fucking leave. So they did. So 1877, they walk, I guess, from Nebraska Mm. (laughs) all the way to Oklahoma, which is like really far. Okay, so they get to this land in Oklahoma. There's no housing. There's no food. It's May, so they can't plant any crops. It's this completely different climate. Mm -hmm. And they all get like disease. So like a Mm -hmm. third of them die. Yep. This is like the story of Native Uh peoples in America. This is the story. There weren't that many of them. I think there were like several hundred and then a third of them die, including Standing Bear's son, Bear Shield. Standing Bear was like, okay, like before Bear Shield died, he was like, okay, Bear Shield, like you're going to have to like be this bridge between us and the white man, between like the old world and the new world. So he had like 
educated him and sent him to white schools and taught him to learn, like made him learn English and like white people customs and religion and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so Bear Shield dies. And I guess on his deathbed, he was like, Dad, please bury me back in our home, like back in Nebraska, because they're like so tied to the land, like the land is so yeah. sacred to them. That was his like dying wish. So Standing Bear is like, okay, we just came like all the way down here, but I'm going to get some people and we're going to take my son's body back up to Nebraska so we can bury him. So they start their like march back up there and it's like winter time and it's really cold. Apparently with the wind chill, it's like negative 77 degrees is what the TED Talk said. Negative 77. Yeah, at some points. And they like were burrowing into like haystacks and stuff and they were just trying to get there. Um, So they eventually do. They get back up to Nebraska and they're like burying him. And the, um, I guess, Native Americans on the reservation up there were like, hey, guys, like, you know, hang out with us or whatever. But the fucking government is like, hey, you're not supposed to be here. You're all under arrest. America, you you need to chill. (laughs) On so so many levels. (laughs) The Department of the Interior, led by Carl Skultz, I want to say, was like, arrest all them. And the... What year is this? 1879, I believe. Oh, so this is under Hayes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Carl Skirts, and he sent, I guess his title was Brigadier General. I don't know what that is. Brigadier General is like, isn't it under a general? I don't know. I'm making that up. I have no fucking idea. (laughs) Brigadier General Cook, no, Crook, George Crook, was like, George Crook, arrest them. And George Crook was like, okay, but... He felt bad for him because he's like a fucking human. He's like, he's just this middle-aged dad bearing his son. They just like traveled through all these like awful weather and conditions. So he wanted to let him like rest and eat and just like chill. Like he felt for him. And what I like about this story is you have the like main hero and standing bear, but you have the other heroes that kind of like help him along. Mm-hmm. So this dude, George Crook, is like, hey, I'm going to call the reporter at the local newspaper. His name is Thomas Tibbles. I love that. <laughs> Mr. Tibbles. And Mr. Thomas- Tibbles. <laughs> Tibbles. Reporter Tibbles. And Thomas Tibbles, to give you an idea, had worked with John Brown. Oh, that's psychopath. Okay. Yeah. And was very sympathetic to... The indigenous plate. And when he heard about all that was going on, he like wrote these articles and like drummed up all the support for Standing Bear. And then these lawyers heard about it. Their names are John Webster and Andrew Poppleton. <laughs> these names. <laughs> Poppleton. Andrew Poppleton, I guess, was a big deal. He was the lawyer for the like Pacific Railroad. Fun. So, like, these two lawyers decide, hey, we're going to represent you and we'll do a pro bono. We're going to sue on your behalf to, like, get you out of prison, basically. 
like Dred Scott. Also, side note, we should do an episode about the Transatlantic Railroad. Anyway. <laughs> we should. It's really interesting. Not transatlantic. Transcontinental. Transcontinental yeah. Railroad. <laughs> Tran- you imagine a transatlantic railroad goes through it the go ocean. very far. <laughs> it just goes through the ocean. <laughs> okay. So a term that I had always heard but never really understand, which I'm sure you do, was the writ of habeas corpus. That fucking shit. So yeah, I, I guess- know what it is. <laughs> yeah, it and you can like correct me or add to me, but I was looking at it and it basically means habeas corpus is a right that means that you can't just be thrown in jail for no reason and indefinitely. Like you have to have like a reason to be there and like mm-hmm. an end ter- like an end goal in sight. Yeah. Habeas corpus is basically like if you want to utilize that you're basically requesting that a judge look at the reason why you are imprisoned and Uh a judge can either say you are imprisoned fairly with within reason or a judge can say there's no cause for you to be imprisoned and they can release you um lincoln rather famously did not allow for a writ of habeas corpus during the civil war and ignored a supreme court decision about it anyway yeah i was reading that like George Bush did the same thing, and it seems like one of those basic human rights kind of things. Yes. I mean, everybody at Guantanamo Bay has been denied a writ of habeas corpus, which is why it's in Cuba and not here. Yeah. Like, you can't just throw people in jail for no reason forever, you know? Yep. Unless you're the United States. Now you do what you want. So that's basically what this court case ended up being about. These two lawyers took on Standing Bear to sue the government, saying it's like habeas corpus and that you can't just throw them in jail, which also I didn't realize that if you were Native American and you traveled off your reservation, you could be imprisoned. Like, that's kind of crazy. So legally, the situation with like reservations and Native Americans is very murky because technically dealing with Native American nations was treated as dealing with like a foreign nation. Uh-huh. So when you put them on reservations, it it's their own land, but not. It's very murky legally. Yeah, I guess I just had never realized that at that time, if you trap your reservation is basically a prison, like you can't mm-hmm. leave. You're arrested if you do. I mean, not nowadays, but back in back the day. Then. Yes. Yeah, that's what this all was about. So to the judge's credit, who was the judge? Judge Elmer S. Dundee. He like heard everyone. And then at the end of the trial, I guess he didn't have to, but he let, like, Standing Bear, like, give his own, like, testimony, give, like, a little speech. Mm -hmm. So Standing Bear gave this, like, really good speech about how, like, if you, like, my hand, if I hold it up, looks different from your hand. Like, we're different colors, but if you prick it, I feel pain. Our blood is, like, the same color when it runs, like, that kind of stuff. And then he says, like, God made me, I am a man. And the judge eventually rules that, um he as a Native American is legally a person and therefore has those constitutional privileges the same as the rest of us. I will never understand the argument of like, well, is this a person? Like, yeah. what the fuck? What? Right? What? What? <laughs> what? So yeah, this was the first case of an American Indian being given constitutional rights 
and it's like a big deal and after this he goes on like all these speaking tours all over like the eastern united states and all over europe and he is accompanied by Tibbles, that reporter, <laughs> who marries this other notable indigenous person named Bright Eyes La Flesh, who I had also read about in another article because she's this like interpreter, like smart. I don't know. All these people like knew each other, I feel. Hmm. But um, yeah, he travels around and he eventually... I guess went to talk to, as you said, the Hayes administration, and they let him move back to Nebraska with some of his tribe. And now the federal government recognizes the Ponca tribe of Nebraska and the Ponca tribe of Oklahoma. Okay. So that happened. And he, I guess like the poet, like poet Longfellow became like a big fan of him and yeah, it was just this, like, cool thing of just this person going through all these, like, trials and tribulations and having this landmark court case, like, rule in his favor. I love me some legal precedents. Right, and it's just nice that, like, the legal system worked in this case. Yeah, because it, it doesn't always. Yeah, like, he had... Oh, and I also thought it was interesting. The court case was called like Standing Bear versus Crook because Crook was the guy who arrested him, even though Crook was the guy who called the reporter and made everything happen for him. Hmm. That is because, interesting. Because he was the one who under orders like had to arrest him. So he was the like defendant in the case, but he was Got on you. his side. Yeah. Got you. Man, well, I like that. We should do a whole episode about significant indigenous people. Yeah, I was like looking into it. And like I said, I was reading like Crook was also involved with like Custer's Last Stand, who was connected to like Sitting Bull. And like I said, Red mm-hmm. Cloud was involved with Crazy this one. Horse. Crazy Horse, like Geronimo. They're all like around the same time. Mm-hmm. Yep. That last push. That was when like the God, the Dawes Act, I think, was passed around that time. And that shit was fucked up. What was the Dawes Act? If I'm remembering, hang on, I'm looking up the year that the Dawes Act was. Oh, yeah, 1887. So the Dawes mm-hmm. Act is when they kind of, America went back on a lot of shit we'd said and started selling off land that we told Native Americans would be, like, for them. Um, and basically what it did was, like, break down Native ties by taking, you know, Native Americans and splitting them with their tribes and making them live with just their like nuclear families or whatever uh-huh. and putting them on like farmland that they didn't really know how to deal with yeah. so basically yeah they like sold american native american land put them on these individual allotments and if you did that you got to become a u.s citizen mm. it's super it's just like the forcing of one culture upon another like you think you're doing something nice but Mm -hmm. you're just not really getting what's actually happening and that was like if you look at the history of how america has dealt with native americans you have a lot of phases so you have those people who wanted to incorporate them into america and like assimilate them into american culture and then you have people who are very much of the just take them over or like the out of sight out of mind And so I would Mm -hmm. say in the 1880s and, like, past that for a good while, we moved, like, pushed pretty hard for assimilation. 
mm-hmm. but that was us basically kidnapping kids and putting them mm-hmm. into like boarding schools and forcing them to like cut their hair and speak English and yeah. taking them away from their families. That was, you know, that time period. Yeah. It's like crazy. And I feel like that's a period of history that we don't learn about in school at all. Mm-hmm. I know in my curriculum. So <laughs> it's not in the like officially tested curriculum. So it's in it's what we call like the bridge curriculum. So I very rarely ever make it to it. Uh-huh. Um, like I'm talking I have one day this entire year where I'm going to talk about like all this stuff, like the tail end yeah, of American expansion. So sometimes I have more time to talk about it and I'll talk about like Little Bighorn and Wounded Knee and the Dawes Act and all of that. Um, Mm -hmm. But usually I just don't have time to get to it. And then I don't know how much time they spend on it at the high school because, you know, you have to cover so much. Oh, my God. Because you have to cover the American Revolution for the 10th time. I barely talk about the American Revolution. I'm like, it happened. You have to talk about the fucking Stamp Act a million fucking times. Not if you're in my class. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to learn about World War II forever. Yep. To the expense of you not learning about other things. Like, Mm -hmm. could you tell me one thing about the Spanish-American War? No. No. Can you tell me one thing about, you know, the Korean War outside of, like, the very basics? No. Mm-mm. No. I couldn't even barely tell you anything about the Vietnam War. It's just kind of, like, what I guess we're tested on in school. Yeah. I also think I know this. History teachers like to talk about the things we like, you know? Mm-hmm. So I know I spend a really long time on westward expansion because I like to talk about it and I think it's interesting. Uh-huh. And so you definitely get that as well. People like to talk about what they're into. Yeah. And well, when I was looking up like people to talk about for today, I was looking at what I go to is like Reddit posts where it will be like, who's an unsung hero from history? And mm-hmm. like maybe 70% of the posts are like World War II. And I'm like, OK, but, yeah, I mean, I don't really want to talk about World War II all the time. I did a World War II person last week, but, like, I also don't necessarily want to talk about, like, war generals, you know? No. No. Right? Like, there's Boo. other people who are heroes that we don't have to talk about. My other person I thought about talking about was Joan of Arc. That would have been cool. Mm-hmm. She's interesting. Like, you could argue... Is she a hero? I feel. Yes. That was uh-huh. going to be my, like, because I, I mean, <laughs> somebody's hero is always going to be somebody else's enemy. Like, let's be honest. That's true. When I was looking up, like, these chiefs, I was like, which, should I talk about a different one? And then thinking, like, okay, this chief warred with a lot of, like, Mexicans and a lot of, like, mm-hmm. United States, like, troops. Like, is this a hero? Like, I, it's all relative. It is. I want to talk about Tecumseh. He's my favorite. Yeah, I was looking at him. Yeah, I just feel like him and his brother, the prophet. Yeah, I just kind of want to learn about all these people more in general because I don't really know. I feel like you can make a really good mini series or series in general. Hundred percent. I don't know why there's not more content, like just you know, entertainment about like Wounded Knee and all of that. Uh huh. Like, I'm trying to think of what I've seen. There's a scene in the movie Hildago about <laughs> it, um, which is about a horse. 
And that's really, and you know, bury my heart at Wounded Knee. There's that. But like outside of, you know. I've thought about watching like bury my heart at Wounded Knee, but I know it's going to be a bummer is the thing. Mm-hmm. The only show that I've seen that kind of talks about this stuff and not like, it's not a show about it. It just gets involved is uh, Hell on Wheels. Which is, is about the, yeah, the Transatlantic the Railroad. My yeah, parents watched that show. That show did such an interesting job and good job at looking at the American West post-Civil War. And just like, hmm. what? What just like, there is a reason they called it the Wild West. Like, just it was all over the place. And just that huh. like combo of people. Because you have so many Confederates went West. So many freed, like enslaved people went West. Uh-huh. Um, like the conflict with Native Americans, like mm-hmm. you have the Chinese in the West. Like it's just. Yeah. Legally, it's such a nightmare. You're like, who has mm-hmm. what rights? Like, well, who's a like, person? <laughs> nobody's a state yet. Yeah. So like California is a state. but That's pretty much it. Like, or I think Oregon was a state at this point. And we can talk about the racist history of Oregon sometime because it's insane. Ooh. Um yeah. You could not live in Oregon if you were black for a long time. Really? Yeah, man. I didn't know that. Yeah, man. It okay. was in their state constitution. What? Yeah. Fucked up shit. You know. That's so weird because like now Oregon is this like hipster, easygoing, yep. microbrew loving whatever. Right. Adding racist history of Oregon to our list. (laughs) (laughs) We could do an episode just how racist America is in ways that you just didn't know about. Well, that was, those were our heroes of history. We hoped you enjoyed it. What's our next episode in this series? We originally had like three things we were going to talk about. Geniuses. Right. Ooh, I'm excited for this one. Me too, because we can also just talk about, like, what is genius? Mm-hmm. Because that is a debatable thing. And the brain and just, like, how all that shit works. We can talk about how Albert Einstein's brain got stolen. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> People are so weird. I told my students about that, and they were like, someone stole his brain? And I was yeah. like, yeah. I was like, they didn't find it for a long time. And they were like, Wait, what? I was like, let me regale you with a tale. <laughs> so weird how people like steal Einstein's brain. They steal Rasputin's penis. Like people are so weird. <laughs> I think they stole like Napoleon's penis too. Oh, <laughs> uh, Napoleon. We could do a whole episode about that dude. He was weird. I feel like, yeah, an, an addendum to this episode could be are they a hero or are they a villain? It could be like a mix of our first two parts of this series. Mm-hmm. Napoleon could be a part of that. Yeah. George Washington. Uh-huh. For real. All of the above. You know who's like a person or real Andrew Jackson, man. You could really debate that with him. <sighs> I was thinking we could do a colorful people episode. So we could talk about people like Andrew Jackson, John Brown, kind of almost like the line between like madness and genius maybe we could do Mm -hmm. part of that of our genius episode i'd be down for that thank you for joining us everybody um hope everyone had a good memorial day because by the time you listen to this it shall have passed yeah 
And sorry for miscategorizing last week's episode into season one. I was mid-panic attack when I uploaded that and <laughs> did it incorrectly. It's amazing that it just got posted. Let's look at it that way. Oh, yo. By the end of that, I was literally like vibrating at my chair. Like, just get it uploaded. Get it uploaded. And it's done. Oh, my God. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for joining us. Do all the things. Follow us, like us, comment. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.